G'day everyone, my name's Glenn and this is Aussie Tech Heads Welcome, episode 485. It's the 28th of April 2016. I'll tell you what, aren't we punching through the months already this year? Uh, thanks to ATH Web Hosting, Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting, you can get some shared hosting wonderment for your personal or business website. Now just go to ATH. That's A-T-H, webhosting.com.au. Affordable plans. Look, you don't even need to put a website there. You can just use all the space up as an email if you want. You know, if you want to get a vanity URL, joeblogs.com, and uh, set yourself up as joe at joeblogs.com if you want to, and use it as an email address. How good would that be? Yeah. All right, and uh, also tune in on the TuneIn Radio, which is uh, available on cross-platforms, Android, Windows 10, desktop and tablet versions, I believe, iOS, well, I think that's everywhere, TuneIn Radio, and uh, excuse me, it's search for Aussie Tech Radio, and you may wonder, what is all that stuff? What is on the Aussie Tech Radio? Well, I'll tell you, it is... It's wall-to-wall podcast, 24-7, back-to-back Australian podcast, the likes of the Tech Webcast. Uh, I've got a couple of New Zealand podcasts in there as well, uh, so jump on board and uh, have a listen to that. You can find us on facebook.com forward slash Aussie Tech Eds and youtube.com forward slash Aussie Tech Eds. And uh, the podcast webpage is aussietechheads.com.au forward slash podcast. All right, this week in the hot seat, we have a William. Hello, a William. Hey, mate, you forget to mention Obsidian Loft. There will be a new Obsidian Loft episode being recorded this weekend. Oh, turn it up. That's one for the books. That's um, been... <laughs> maybe an Old Fart Geeks if we got time to squeeze it in as well. Oh, Milo's been asking about Old Fart Geeks. I know. So, um... oh, that reminds me. I've got to... <laughs> that just reminds me. I've got to message him back after the show too. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Now, uh, yes, Obsidian Loft. I've got a Minecraft story this week. We can have a little bit of a chat about that. Yes. And, and I've also, uh, yeah, tr- tried to build a Minecraft PE server. No, m- Not much luck there, unfortunately. Oh, I... it, it works. What more do you want? Yeah, the, yeah I had to, the one that I paid for. But yeah. I, mean, I wanted to build one on a on a server in my home. That's just dev issues. That'll get sorted soon. Yeah, I can't believe it didn't didn't work properly. But yeah, so don't forget the Obsidian Loft and Old Fart Geeks. I'll tell you, well, I wasn't going to mention them tonight or this week because they haven't had an episode for quite some no, time. No, it's been a scheduling issue. But it's the same reason I haven't been on ATH, ATH much either. Oh, yeah, or Warlock for that matter. We just... Uh, it's been transition periods at the moment, and we're yeah. all just been flat out. Exactly, I I call it the uh, the the women transition period. I was only thinking today, because <laughs> Eric's not here with us this week either. Uh, something about his wife; she's gone out. He's got to look after the kids, so blame that one on a woman. There's nothing uh, when you tra- nothing worse than transitioning at all. I tell you, no, Will can't come on. <laughs> Oh, we're going to blame that on a woman. Warlock can't come on. Blame that on a woman. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, it's it's not it's not looking too good. Apologies to all the women out there. I'm sure that you aren't that bad to your man. All right. Uh, look, I thought just to, before we get into the news and everything, I just thought it'd be interesting to just uh, give you an idea of where people listen to us from. Now, uh, look, because I, I brought up a map. I've got this new fangled, you know, uh, analytical thing that I've put together. And I can tell you, like it's it's all over the world. It's amazing, really. And small little countries, like uh, and countries that like Malaysia. So hello, Malaysia, and where's that one? The Philippines, uh, Japan, <laughs> Thailand. 
Well, look at these little ones. All, France. The, all the small little countries that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, we've got France and Germany and Poland and Finland, Norway, UK, of course. A lot of, lot of listeners in the UK, hello. The US, of course. There are a lot of listeners in the US. Canada. Uh, yeah, it's all over the place. So that's, that's not too bad. I even know some of the... Uh, some of the um, where are they from? I know a couple from America. And I know a couple of the ones from uh, London. Mm. And also Australia, of course. The, no, the, the biggest listening Great. base. Gonna, I called London France. I'm going to be in trouble now. Oh, I'll you, never hear the end of it. You will, you're going to be in massive trouble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, uh, there was something else I was going to say. Something that just popped out of my mind. But I'm sure it'll come back. Mm. Uh, oh, the Aussie Max Zone. That's each week as well. And also uh, Aussie Tech Security. There's a excuse me another episode coming out this week also so that's every two weeks that one all right so uh yeah so that's a bit of a rundown on on listeners so if you're in there any of those countries say hi if you obviously speak english well i hope so uh, you can uh send us an email at uh glenn at aussietechheads.com.au or will at aussietechheads.com.au and if you want to come on the show have a bit of a chat and you know join the join the panel because we are getting light on because of the issues as i aforementioned <laughs> come on square it with the boss first and uh, send me an email. All right. Uh, what's going on this week, Will? What have you been up to? <clears throat> um, apart from having computer problems and having a few more computer problems and having other issues, it's been great. Now, Will is on his in, on his uh, webcam yes. mic. So we should explain that, that my audio is going to sound horrible and I hate it, guys. Unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about it. My webcam mic, I have a proper high-quality Shaw mic. I've got a proper XLR mixer. I've got the whole kit and caboodle. Which all my audio is coming back to me through, but it refuses to go to the system. So unfortunately, I'm back on the webcam mic. Oh, thankfully, <laughs> it is Logitech C930, so it's actually a fairly decent quality uh, stereo yeah. webcam mic. So as far as webcam mics go, this is the one to be on. <laughs> yes, well, that's good. But lucky you've got one of those. Now, look, let's uh, let me start off with my Minecraft issues. I, I spoke to Will last week because I want my little bloke's having a. He wanted to have a LAN party, so he wanted to have a Minecraft server. I thought, look, I've done that before, uh, which I had. I've built, I've uh, installed the little Minecraft PE server and on a, on a uh, on the Amazon cloud actually. But it's, I thought it can't be too hard to install it on the PC at home on a, on a spare computer. But all sorts of problems. But I think it is actually a problem with the. The actual software yeah. is that right, Will? That's what you think? Yeah, with I think because they're pushing out the updates so quickly. And uh, speaking of which, I literally just logged on because I have um, I'm running uh, BlueStacks on my PC, so I can run Android applications on my desktop. So I've literally just logged on to um, to the Minecraft Pocket Edition. I was going to show you guys the server. Minecraft just updated as I loaded up, so the server no longer functions because the server's outdated. So this but, is um, is this the server <laughs> online that you pay for or? Your server, yeah. Oh, so what? It's, it doesn't it's work. Just, Minecraft's just updated to the new version, so your server's out of date. Um, and this is the oh. problem I think we're having, is that the updates are coming out so fast at the moment because we're literally just updated to 1.4.2, and the server, which we only put up last week, is on 1.4.1. So um, I think this is part of the reason that we're having issues with, with uh, um, the third... Because Minecraft don't do a server per se for the Pocket Edition. They, they let you have a multiplayer option within Pocket Edition, but you have to have one of the devices on the network. Hmm. They don't let you run a server. So the servers are done by third parties. Um, and I think at the moment, just with the release schedule coming through as fast as it is, um, I think that is having a, a hard time keeping up. But why is it... Why does... 
Yeah, so what happens there? So each device has to be on the same version. Is that what it is? Yeah, so your servers, so you serve, it's the same on PC. The difference is the PC ones don't come out as regularly. But the the server and the, because it's using, it's all Java-based and it's all modular-based, every module has to be identical to every other module. So all the versions have to match. If they do an update and they change one little tiny part and one of the little modules, then the modules no longer match. So when you go to load load the game, it won't let you load because it's a different version. Right. Um, nice. It's all it's all to do with compatibility, but it's the same. That 1.4.2 rollout that just rolled out onto this, rolled out on my phone today, and rolled out on the iPad. So it's rolling out on all the devices today. Mm. So it means that by tonight, your server's outdated, even though it's only been up a week. Yeah. Um, right. Now this is alleviated when you're actually playing from within the Pocket Edition because when you go play. You create a world, you open the world up, then you open up to a network. And it doesn't really matter because it's always going to be the current version because you're playing from within the actual game. Mm. But when you're running the server, you're basically taking those mod files, you're tearing them apart, you're accessing the parts of it you need to make the game run. So every time there's an update, you've got to do the whole process again, which is what the third-party software does. But there's a lag time between mm. when the update comes out and when the software is available to so do something about it. are you saying that you shouldn't update your device until... You, well, you, no, you, you have to. It auto-updates. There's no, there's no way around that. I guess they're probably technically... Well, there probably is a way to turn off auto-update, but I don't think there is on Wi-Fi. If you're on oh. Wi-Fi, I think it'll do it as soon as it gets a network connection. But yeah, so anyway, so I did set it up. Uh, we, I, Will gave me a host overseas. I set it up. It was Piece, piece of cake. Piece of cake it was after all the issues. Uh, look, I don't know why, how that, well, they obviously get it to work. I can't, I don't know why. But anyway, they'll be using, but the thing is they'll have, there'll be one tiny issue that they're aware of, so they're tweaking the code to make that right. work. Okay. It is all open source code. Yep, yep. All right. Well, look, enough about that. And on to the more of the actual Minecraft story. Now, more than 7 million Minecraft credentials have been exposed. Now, Lifeboat, which is a popular server, or a pop, is, that's what you call it, a popular server game slash world or something. Um, Lifeboat runs uh, servers for micro, micro, Minecraft Pocket Edition. Sure now, they do. Yeah. Now, Troy Hunt, who maintains a database of compromised user credentials, accessible by his... Have I been pawned website? That's uh, P W N E D, and uh, we'll go to the sh links in the show notes. And what happens is uh, Lifeboat's network was hacked in January this year, resulting in a data breach exposing the game's seven million plus user base. Now Hunt accused Lifeboat of failing to notify its customers of the incident. There, because I know my two kids are on this Lifeboat thing. I didn't see any emails coming across. Now passwords access in the breach also. Uh, hashed with a weak MD5 algorithm, making them susceptible to cracking. Now, just this week, Lifeboat issued a security update acknowledging the breach, noting that leaked information included usernames, weekly encrypted passwords, and emails, but no personal information as real names or addresses. Well, that's not good enough, is it? Because, you know, like, you know, <laughs> like, the, the, the you, you sign in with your email address or whatever it is, well, you, you know, you're going to use the same password here and there and, and a couple of other places. So anyway, look, I went to this I Have Been Porn site and I thought, oh, look, I'm just going to type in my uh, in my thing and my email address and see if I've been pawned. Hang on, and here we go, techheads.com.au. And lo and behold, oh, I'm, click, I'm, I'm clicking the video, not the actual player. <laughs> okay, and lo and behold, let's have a look. 
Oh, it's taking its time. Oh, good news. No pornage found. That's because I didn't spell it right. No, no worries. I did. Oh, no. Left an E out. Hang on. I did, I, <laughs> see, I did it before. <laughs> Apparently, I have been on two breach sites. Yeah, so I've been Which torn. is interesting because I don't play the Pocket Edition, so I'm not sure where they're getting this from. No, well, I've been breached. The Adobe breach, which happened in 2013. Uh, Plex happened in July 2015. And XSplit in November 2013. So, yeah, compromised. Email address, name and password, username. Compromised. Email address, IP address, password, username. Email address, password, hints, passwords, and username. So all three of those, I've uh, uh, my email database password username it's been in the uh, adobe plex and xsplit it's out in the wild so uh change your yeah i got done passwords. i was checking mine too i got done from the adobe and the xsplit which is actually interesting given that i didn't use my email address for either of those to use another email address mm. so that's, that's a good trick i think that might just be putting up on everyone's account now another i was as i was just fiddling around the other day looking at this uh have i been porn that's spelled p-w-n-e-d now you go to the urban dictionary and look up the definition of it now you can hear the actual pronunciation uh of it and <laughs> some of it it's quite funny i won't play because there's some of it had a couple of swear words in it but uh the the unique thing about this urban dictionary that i didn't know was it will it gives you it just like a rolling you must be able to just dial it up and just to say this is how I pronounce it and go blah because it just roll different people you just hear different people pronouncing it it's really yeah, it's good just, it's it records you know I mean porns just come from spelling owned wrong basically mm. it was a noob a noob version of spelling owned wrong and I'm um, the same thing noob it just came about from you know being new it's just a you're a noob at it you know that's a yeah they're just, just bastardizations of words so um, yeah so at the end of the day. You know, uh, change your password because if you've been porn, well, then that means that your username and password and so forth is probably out there somewhere. And you don't want people getting into your emails if, in fact, the uh, password and username is the same. Yeah, they can have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can have the bills that go with that email address too. <laughs> oh, they'll be happy with that, I'm sure. <laughs> now, uh, what, what's caught your attention this week, Will? Um. Honestly, there's not a heck of a lot going on in, in the, the standard tech realm. Um, there's a few little neat niche things that I'm currently interested in when 3D printing is one of them. Um, and as some of you guys may know who follow us on the uh, on Facebook, um, Glenn put one up the other day of a guy 3D printing a castle. Hmm. Um, that come from you? Of, I can't remember. I don't know where I got that one from. I don't know if you... I know you put one uh, up. It may have come... might have shared my Facebook. I can't remember. Hmm. Um but there's been a lot of that sort of stuff going on. Actually, it's getting more and more well accessible uh, to to the to the average person now. Like even 12 months ago, a semi reasonable 3D printer was you know a thousand bucks just for a, a small one. Yeah. Um, it's getting to the point now where even Audi's selling 3D printers now for like 500 bucks. Uh, JCar's got them for about 450. You know, so they're just becoming a regular run of the mill thing. Um, which is double-edged sword. One is uh, makes it very easy to find parts and components and build your own, which is what I'm currently doing. I'm actually in the process of making my own 3D printer at the moment. Um, but it's quite an addictive little thing when you realize what people are actually doing with them now. Yeah, and, yeah uh, This is this guy, yeah, building the castle. But I was looking around. There's actually a company in Japan who is actually building skyscrapers with 3D printers. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so you, you know, and like full on cars and um, they're prefabbing houses to go to like either war torn or decimated places where they need emergency accommodation housing. They're they're literally just taking over powdered plastic um, or concrete or whatever their particular uh, yeah. there's there's metallized plastics. There's all sorts of stuff you can use, and they're because it's easy just to ship it massive shipping container of, of powdered plastic basically over there take over some big 3d printers and they're literally just printing houses on the spot for these for these places because i guess like you know you could also say you could also like start putting like molten steel through these things and just building steel structures <laughs> i suppose that's what the skyscrapers are probably built out of as well well a lot of them are made all out of um composite materials um to do steel, you, you could, but the problem is once something gets to the molten state, it gets very hard to control. So to feed steel out through a nozzle at a controllable, like that's concrete, but mm. it's still fairly, um, even when it's wet, it still conforms to whatever shape you make it. It's Whereas amazing. with steel, if it was that molten and liquid, it's not going to stay in that shape. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's absolutely it, amazing. I mean, it's super impressive. And the finesse, such a massive, big structure has such this you know ability to have such a fine um pinpoint repeatable yeah you know and it's action that, and that doesn't look to, there doesn't appear to be much like spillage of the cement it's just a totally uh, precise squirt isn't yeah, it? It, it really is i mean it a 3d printer a normal plastic printer is exactly the same i mean if you think about it it's it's We've been doing things similar on mills and CNC routing machines and stuff for a long time, um, but it's the opposite. You're taking a material away in a precise fashion. Mm. This one's the opposite of that. You're you're adding a material in a precise fashion. So, in some respects, it's it's even harder to do, but the principles are still um, still apply. But it's it's quite amazing now that it's getting to the point where you buy a, a Arduino Duo board, you buy a display, you buy uh, what five stepper motors, half a dozen linear rods, and some bearings, and for the sake of forty-five bucks, you can make a three hundred by three hundred three D printer. Mm. Yeah, that's you know, good. Like it's it's just I just find that incredibly fascinating now. So that's one of my projects I've given myself to um, to and do and to see you know see what it's another like. project you love them don't you? <laughs> no, not at all. But I I I hate having heaps of unfinished things, but I hate not. Mm. At the moment, like I've built the frame and I'm waiting on all these components to turn up. So I'm doing other bits and pieces at the moment, you know. So I've got like 14 projects on the go, but it's a matter of assembling this much and then waiting for a month for the parts to turn up from China. Then assembling a bit more. <laughs> yes, yes, I know what that's like. Now, look, this uh, this is a bit of, I suppose, surprising news that's come through just uh, later in the later this week was there's been a man that's been found dead in the Apple conference room. He was an employee. Now, early reports are saying that it was a uh, it was a gunshot wound, but nothing's really been confirmed uh, because obviously it's you know it's, it's pretty uh, pretty recent and, this and story. <laughs> yeah, well, Apple has said in a statement it's is uh, working to support the people who worked with the young and talented man, but it has so far declined <laughs> to identify him. Uh, he was found dead in the conference room inside the headquarters on Wednesday. Police were called at about 8.35am and for a report of a person down at one infinite loop, they found the dead man. 
They determined there was no other individuals involved and they believe it was an isolated incident and that there was nobody else in the else on the campus or in the car park at risk. So, yeah, that's no good. I don't know. What, what would drive someone to do that is, you know, it's pretty much, it's beyond belief. Obviously, they do need Probably help. Probably the guy they? who said we can't give you access to the phone. Oh, we've already got it. Oh, well, too bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think I, I think I missed my boat. Like, yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? A few weeks ago, I remember Eric, myself, and you were talking about, uh, yeah, that whole thing where they taking Apple to court trying to get the um, the privacy overturned on this guy's phone. Mm, that's right. And then, remember back then, I was saying it's because they've already hacked into it, but they want permission. Yeah. And then about two weeks later, it came out that they already had the data anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. So, um, but look, look, yeah, yeah. Probably that guy. <laughs> well, mo- moving on just quickly from there, because we don't want to dwell on those sort of bad stories, but look, some more, not as bad, but some more unfortunate or bad news from Apple is the first time in 13 years uh, it's reported a fall in sales and a report and a fall in iPhone sales. Sales were down around eight billion compared with this time last year. Shares have fallen twenty percent in the last twelve months. And Apple sold fifty one point two million iPhones during the quarter, which is down from sixty one million in the same quarter of two thousand fifteen. So down ten million. What do you think of that? I bought one, so I'm I'm point oh 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 one. I'd hate, to, I'd hate to say about time I told you so, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> I know, look, if you listen to the show, which, well, when Eric's on, look, we do go on a bit about that, you know, we don't think that Apple is being uh, inventive enough of late, and this is probably showing through. Speaking of Apple, our point of sale system died at work a couple of weeks ago, so the boss had an old iMac laying around, it's an i5 dual core or something, so he bought it in, formatted it, bought it in, fresh install. Talk about the worst system you could possibly use for a point of sale. <laughs> but what? To start with, the keyboard doesn't have a numeric pad on it. It's one of those crappy wireless keyboards that sits flat on the desk that yeah. when you're standing when you're standing up above it in a point of sale, because you stand up behind the counter, so the monitor's way up here, yeah. typing down straight onto this flat keyboard with no tactile feedback and no numeric keyboard. But it, it's probably not meant for a POS system. Oh, man, it's, it's buy, so buy another, bad. Buy another keyboard. My, my boss is, well, I've put the USB one on it. My boss is Mac through and through. Like, they're the best things ever. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's right. I knew that keyboard was laying out for a reason. I couldn't stand it either. <laughs> <laughs> and what sort of what sort of iMac was it? Uh, it's one of the, the flat all-in-one things. It's a, they're all like that, aren't they? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's like a dual-core i5, I think. It's like a – it's about four or five-year-old, you know, um, Let's I think see. it's got four gig of RAM. It's a fairly decent spec system, but for it's um and it does weird things like when you go and print a PDF, it it looks like one of those. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> um, and when you go to print a PDF, it closes down Safari, opens up a PDF because now we're using zero, which is all online. Uh, it closes down Safari. It opens up the PDF reader. Loads up the PDF. You then only way you can print that I've found is to press Command P. You then print that. You close down that window. Then you have to reopen Safari and go back into zero because it shut it down. No, there's something wrong. <laughs> it's <laughs> a fresh install. It's literally just had a fresh install put on it. Look, I'm not a I'm not a fan of OS X at all. I don't particularly like it, but uh, it works better than that. It does. It, work well, better. I mean, I, I, I look. 
And as I've always said, they, they certainly have a purpose. And I can see how when this thing was released four or five years ago, it was, you know, you can tell it was top of the range system. Like it was a, power, a powerhouse. It, it was designed mm. to do what it did, you know. Yeah. But, man, they are really in that mindset that you have to use a Mac to know how to use a Mac. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't go from PC to Mac flawlessly. It just doesn't happen. You know, you've got this stupid mouse that if you look at it the wrong way, the screen moves and all sorts of stuff happens. But probably vice versa <laughs> as well. Like you move from well, a... No doubt, but you know, it's... Get, well, not really. You can go from... You, you get, can go um, PC, but you can go Windows, you can go Linux, you can do a lot of those variants, and they're all very similar because they use the same hardware, same keyboard, same mouse. Well, you know, it, a normal two-button mouse with a scroll wheel. Yeah. Well, you know, we're on a Mac, <laughs> you, get the, you get the pleasure of the nipple, and you come across to the, to the PC, you got a wheel. No? Well, what would you no, rather? this thing's got no. This mouse is just a flat piece of plastic that, when you touch it in different places, it does different things. That's the my. Is that the mighty mouse? Oh, is it? I don't know. It's so bad. It's about this thick, so that you would, like. I don't say. Remember, you're trying to stand above it, so you're trying to use this mouse that's like this thick, <laughs> and yeah. you do something, and you run your hand across it, and your screen scrolls up, and you're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> All I right. mean, that, yeah, that's just just reminded me. Of, uh, yeah, that's just interesting. Um, Thing because occasionally he'll go, oh, How do I install a printer? Because we got a new printer in the other day. Actually, that's something I want to talk about one day too. We got the new Xerox printer in which uses uh, wax. We saw it at um, the conference a couple of years ago. The Xerox printer, you know, the, the conference at the entertainment center, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, the uh, what's it called, yeah, the um, convention center in Brisbane, convention center, yeah. yeah. Saw that Xerox printer that uses the wax um, discs that you put into the printer yeah. and it prints with it, yeah. Yep. We got one of those. Are they good? Oh, man, I tell you what, do a full photo quality 1200 DPI print yeah. on A4 page yeah. in half a second. Oh, nice. Just nice. straight through. This yeah. thing comes stock standard with a stapler, which is neat, um, but it comes with a 160 gig hard drive and 2 gig of RAM in a printer. <laughs> yeah, right. So what, 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 was the, what was the ink made out of? It's wax. Um, let me see if Maybe. I can find it. It's called, so they call it solid toner. Yeah, right. I'm going to look for a little picture of it myself. Yeah, they call it solid toner or Here solid ink. And it's it's literally a wax cube. Um, yeah, that's it. That slides into the printer. And it that's actually the, a different model, but it's the same sort of deal. And it um, the disc is about, I don't know, an inch by inch by inch. Yeah, and each right. one of those does um, 3,000 pages at, at your standard. You know, there, there, there they are down there, yeah. Yeah, to the oh, full, yeah, yeah. this one's here. Yeah, and, okay. um, is it yeah. expensive? Expensive to run? It's no. We worked it out. I did a quick calculation. I mean, to buy it brand new is five grand. We got this oh. X demo. We got X demo for five hundred bucks. Um, That's all right. They got a two hundred and fifty thousand page per month duty cycle. Mm. Um, and the each. Block of ink does three thousand pages, and there's six blocks per uh, per cartridge. What does um, the what and is... it works out to zero point zero zero eight cents per print. What does the print feel like? Does it feel waxy and, or, and... no? It actually, you would swear you're printing on photo paper. If you've ever mm. seen like your driver's license or a lot of RSLs use the phasers, the photo lasers. Yeah, it's. Very, very reminiscent of that, but it's probably slightly glossier. Right. Um, the only thing I haven't tested yet, I didn't bring a print home with me. The only thing I haven't tested yet is to see if it 
is affected by water in the same way that a normal print is. But I doubt it being wax, I would say it repels the water. Yeah. Yeah, that how um, that? That sounds good. That but, sounds good. I mean, this thing... In all, I mean, in all honesty, if you're running a small business or even a large business, yeah, and you want five grand. something that's going to cut your, your cost down to a ridiculous amount, we're talking zero point zero eight cents for the consumables, not including the, the paper. Obviously, that's a, you know, that's whatever your cost is on top of that. Yeah, but, that's pretty cheap, isn't it? You know, and I worked out that two hundred fifty pages, two hundred fifty thousand pages a month, is basically two reams of paper a day. What would? What are the? <laughs> places like the banks and all that what sort of printing techniques would they use for their normal day-to-day they just use standard no paper. no for like printing the statements you know the the centralized oh prints. well that most of that you probably find most that's still done on the commercial printers hmm. like the um uh, the what do they call them the, the press prints whatever they are yeah yeah right like, okay. like that sort of thing because that technology hasn't really charming I mean, those photos those things are huge too but well, they would be. um Short yeah. of something like that, this thing is, you know, in all honesty, like, when they came out, when we, I remember talking about them, I think I was talking to you about them, actually, we're looking at them going, yeah, and, at, yes. and we're like, who's going to pay five grand, for, well, actually, I think when they came out, they were like seven or eight, actually. Probably, yeah. Um, and they're still five, but for five grand, yes, they're definitely worth it. For ten, probably not worth it, but... For there five must, grand, they're def- definitely worth yeah, it. Yeah, look, there'd be a if you did your did your sums, there'd be a break-even <clears throat> point there somewhere oh, of yeah. um, of ink wa- ink slash wax. Well, there's no see in normal laser too. You have the toner waste cartridge. Yep. Um, after you know the, after you've replaced the toner cartridge every couple of times, you've got to replace the waste cartridge because it fills up with old toner. Yep. Whereas this thing eventually just fills up with old wax. And you can either just chuck it in the bin or you can actually throw it in an envelope, send it back to a mob who recycles and turns it back into print cartridges again. From the good old days and the, the old laser printers, they'd just spew that uh, wasted toner out the back, wouldn't they? Just get <laughs> oh, rid of photocopiers did. That's why they were, the photocopy rooms are always black. black. <laughs> my, <laughs> my sister up until a few years ago still had an old, what were they called before they were called photocopiers? They had some mid name they printed um, like an, with an alcohol base, uh, I can't oh, think what they were called. Did, did they? Did but, they? Did they roll out? Did you roll? Yes. Yeah, I mean, they're still automated. That was. A but long pre time ago. like pre Xerox, if you want to call it that. But <laughs> yes. they there was that transition period where they went from like this alcohol based liquid almost to an actual toner. It was like a sten- stencil. Yeah, something like something that. I can't like think that, of wasn't it. it? Yeah. And anyway, yeah. my sister's got one of those very first photocopiers that still use the drum style and the high speed but with the powder and yeah you hit copy or print and this thing would fire like a six foot mist of toner out the back of the drum when the drum fired up <laughs> there you go that's, that's a good old days yeah that's it <laughs> you know when you get the, the toner jam light come on you pull the toner tub out and it just explode all over the place yeah good <laughs> Uh, I tell you what, I don't miss that. I actually used to be a photocopy and printer service technician down in Melbourne, and that was the number one thing we'd get called out for. Oh, we tried to change the toner, but with what? <laughs> you know, what, what were you wearing? Welding gloves and a mask? Like, <laughs> well, that, how could you possibly do that? Well, that picture there that we've just put up, there's two footprints, yeah, and it just looks like footprints. The, the text's been uh, exterminated. <laughs> he's just gone. He's, he's in, 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 what is it? Uh, spontaneously combusted. <laughs> I, I have wound up 
like looking like a coal miner coming home from jobs with those things. Yeah. Um, it's you. By the time we were called to go there and fix it, you can yeah. imagine fourteen people have tried to already fix it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> there's just toner and there's paper and there's bits of plastic yeah. and there's crap. You're well, like, you, ah. the, you try the janitor before you call someone. <laughs> so, oh, so you go yeah. through everyone. And, well, sometimes you can see where they've tried to clean it and they'd try to use like spray and wipe or they'd try to use a mop and bucket. And of course, it's not water soluble. So you mix it with water and just spreads it. <laughs> it doesn't nice. absorb it. So you've got to use alcohol to clean it up. So, well, so you can see they've got this mop and there's just these massive big streaks of <laughs> black toner across the floor. Yeah, it's pretty, fil- <laughs> it's pretty filthy stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I do well, miss it in some respects. So I kind of enjoyed that, actually, you know, yeah, rocking get, up with a purpose instead of just going there to clear a paper jam like you do Down here. and dirty, get, get a paper clip out. Now, uh, what, what else is around, Will? Have you got anything else? Speaking of uh, useless inventions, mm. um, Dyson. Oh, yes. Yeah, you know, you know that company that we all love and hate yeah. because they go, hey, we've got a brilliant product. It's exactly like everyone else's, but it's four times dearer. Um, so they've just released a $94 million hairdryer. Uh, uh, how much it costs? a quieter, less damaging experience. Okay, it doesn't quite cost $94 million, but it, uh, they've turned their attention to a personal styling Revealing that a 94 million hairdryer, four years in the making, so it's cost of 94 million over four years. It's called the Dyson Supersonic. It's a lightweight, strangely shaped device with a purple barrel, no blades, and the company promised high velocity air jet and noise beyond the audible range for humans. Yeah, but it's like one of those fans, isn't it, that you get these days with no blades? <laughs> so, in it? what they've done is they've, they've taken, they've spent 94 million dollars and they've taken a 12 inch bladeless fan. And they've made it into a one-inch bladeless fan. Yeah. Can I please work for Dyson That's and be right. in charge of their R and D department? <laughs> yes. And I would love to have that sort of money to do the same thing you're already doing. It looks like some sort of uh, device. It kind of reminds me of who? like a, a female version of a sonic screwdriver. Oh no, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, like a like a like a sea devil or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay, yes, it works well. It's it's blows hot air and it has a, it's got a Motor apparently uses a motor impeller, which that's a whole nother impossibility, with 13 blades to change the sound frequency of the hairdryer to one the company claims cannot be heard by humans, and a glass a glass beat, that should be bar, for Mr. to measure the temperature 20 times a second, which with a computer chip is used to control the heating element to prevent hair damage. Yeah, well, you, but, you, can't, you can't hear the motor, but you can hear the air whishing through it. At yeah, you hear sizzling, you go, oh, I think it's a bit hot. Yeah, yeah, the, the whistling will deafen you, but the, the motor's all right. Yeah. Be, be Dyson's ass. latest creation is not likely to be cheap when it arrives in Australia. The company will sell a device for £300 in Britain. Wowzers. Wowzers. $571 Australian dollars at current exchange rate for a hair blower noise maker something device oh, just go to the go to the public toilet stick your head in one of those things you'll be right <laughs> <laughs> no because you'll get you'll get your own everywhere if you <laughs> now, talking about the most expensive things in the world the uh world's most secure iphone oh, well, i shouldn't say iphone the world's most secure phone because it's not an iphone world's most con- con- secure phone and it's not a blackberry it's on sale for twenty thousand dollars now that'd be u.s costing now, look, here's a picture of it. It's all nice and gold. A British-Israeli startup plans to sell a mobile phone for next month that will offers, offer unprecedented levels of technology and security. 
Now, so last model's iPhone then. Uh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Now, look, that was an iPhone, but that's, I put that up there because there's a Apple has an iPhone, a really expensive one. It has the iPhone 5 Black Diamond, which uh, sold for 15.3 US million. So that's that's it's just like it's an iPhone that's just been dipped in gold. Now, uh, look, not half as sexy as a DeLorean that's been dipped in gold. No, that's right. Now, Siren Labs said last Monday it had raised $72 million in private funds to launch this, this now the most secure device in the world, which would be aimed at executives. The phone will be based on Android. You'd be happy to hear that, Will? Operating system? Well, I don't know how secure that would be, though. I'm not happy to hear that. I'm not surprised in the slightest, given it's the most secure operating system. Uh, so it's based on Android and runs otherwise unspecified technology. Two or three years in advance of the mass market. <laughs> yeah, because they haven't developed it yet. They're still not sure what they're going to put in there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They reckon, look, I didn't know there was a market for this, but that, that, there's a global luxury phone market, can you believe? Yeah, what, of course there is. Why do you think all the big names like Porsche and Bentley and Ferrari, they all got their own phones luxury. and yeah. hats and golf clubs? and. So one, uh, Yeah, so the market is uh, $1.1 billion, a fraction of the total Ooh, mobile yeah. phone. Yeah, most top-end phones sold are more for status, which uh, enter the... Well, half of them don't work. They're covered in gold plate. They're covered in diamonds. They're covered in all this other stuff that blocks the phone signal going to them anyway. So half the time... Like the new Bentley... um, It starts with a C, Corsage or something. It's a GT Bentley. It's like $500,000 car. uh, 600 and something horsepower, 1,000 foot-pounder per torque. But... They call it the, 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 what do they call it? The solidarity zone or something when you're in it. Right. Once you close the car up and you shut the doors, it blocks all RF and, like, all thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, it blocks everything coming in. So there's no phone signal. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no RF, so you can't use, um, you know, two ways. It, do- it won't come into the cab. Nice. Look, so you've got this phone. You know, car that you're going to ring your mate up and go, hey, I'm going to come pick you. Oh, wait, I can't. Well, you know, why can't I? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Can't I just come through an aerial and just, just direct? <laughs> that's the only microwave in the car or something? But it's the same with these phones you're talking about. They, they literally are status. Nice uh, car. Yeah, they want to be. Yeah. Um, it's it, they're literally a status thing. Like the phones generally have a very short life. They're only going to last as long as 12, 12 months, two years, maybe as long as that person's got that car. After two years, they're going to trade it in on the new model anyway. Hmm. Um, they're not really practical. They're probably to save, you know, they're going to be heavy because they're going to have all this other stuff on them. They're probably nuke the battery life to allow other things in there or to make the phone smaller or whatever. And as I said, because they're going to be covered in all these different metals, as Apple know, metal is not a... It's a great conductor, but it's also great for conducting interference, not just the radio frequency you want. So given that your aerials are already generally... Like on a Samsung, for example, because I've got one here. Um, if I pull the back off quickly, if I pull the back <laughs> off, um, you can, you can see... You, you, know, you kind of see, but there's a little bit up in here that has um, it's a bit hard to see but that's basically where your aerial is in that plastic tag yeah. there so that's pretty much your aerial it's out of the way when you hold it so you don't cover it with your hand it's out of the way of you know everything that can cause interference with it there's a reason for that if you then put that in a metal case 
your aerial is effectively mm. grounded and you've got no signal getting through. So, um, oh, yeah. I dropped my phone over there too. It looks saying. really crusty. See all the, the lovely damage up in the top corner there? Yeah, what happens? That can. The, the screen's completely shot. It's actually delaminating. You can actually see. Um, you can actually see the screen separating from the pressure pl the pressure pad. <laughs> nice. Good so new phone soon. I tell you what, it's done pretty well for me to get two and a half years out of a phone. Minor miracle. Right. They're, they're pretty much indestructible. I tell you. Hold on to that Telstra sim, won't you? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Anyone want it? I'll sell it cheap. <laughs> yeah. I'm off contract now, so. <laughs> you, you could. You wouldn't sell that one. That's a beauty. Nah, that's a keeper. <laughs> Now, uh, look, Will, you told me you brought something to my attention earlier on this week. Steve Wozniak is, mm. uh, is as you know, he comes to Australia. I think he spends about six months here and six months back in the US. He, I think his daughter married an Aussie or, or something like that, son like or that, daughter yeah. or whatever. Uh, yeah, so he, he likes it out here. But, uh, look, you, you can have the pleasure of his company in a little sit-down chat and, uh, yeah, be uh, entertained by Steve Woz. He's doing a tour of sorts uh melbourne brisbane and sydney so there you go uh we'll give you what if you're interested i think brisbane tickets are around 70 dollars from when i looked that's for like nosebleed yeah yeah, yeah the, the, no, i wouldn't pay any more the first class ticket well the top of the range tickets were 150 which was right front row mm. um but that wasn't including the meet and greet. I can't find a price anywhere on the meet and greet, so I'm I'm probably going. I'm going to throw a figure out and say at least a thousand bucks. Yeah, jeez. But so, for 150 bucks, look. Normally, when it comes to concerts or anything, especially at the Brisbane Entertainment Centre, because it's the worst freaking layout in the world. Oh, is um, that that thing out at Boondle? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's rubbish. So bad. I'm not going out there. But normally, oh, I would just I buy nosebleed seats because honestly, they're as bad as every other seat. It doesn't make any difference. But for someone like was, I would actually fork out and pay the 150 bucks to get in the front dozen yeah, seats. Right. But I think with somebody like him, knowing his personality and knowing his persona, I think that would be lost if you're any further away. Mm. Um, I mean, I'd love to do the meet and greet thing. Don't get me wrong. I think that would be fascinating. But I can't. I, I can see in my head that's going to be at least a 1000 bucks to do that because they usually are. Yeah. But I know... William Shatner did something a couple of years ago, something similar, and the ticket to go see him was 150 bucks or something. And it was $3,500 to go to just basically handshake for five minutes. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like, well, if you say, it'd be interesting to find out what that ticket price is, the meet and greet, because like, just the, the accompanying text that came with the, uh, the blurb, you know, advertising this event. Uh, it's, uh, I'll read this to you. It goes, was has not yielded... Uh, what does it say? So it says, Australia will have the pleasure of being in the company of someone who can be said to have truly, literally changed the world. Among the many accomplishments for which Wozniak is renowned, two stand out above the rest. The inventor of the personal computer, and along with Steve Jobs, the co-founder of Apple. Woz's inventions have been an innovative as a path along which he has travelled to reach his destination. And remember I said oh, a little while ago after the death of Jobsy that uh, I reckon that Apple should reach out to was and just to have him just as some like just a figurehead or something or someone they say hey was what do you reckon what what what's in your brain what else can we do now Australia yeah, I mean I, I bag him out like I give him a hard time but everyone does but at the end of the day if the opportunity comes to meet the guy it wouldn't wouldn't matter if it was him it wouldn't matter if it was you know, back in the day it wouldn't matter if it was Steve got jobs or Bill Gates or or any of those guys mm. as much as you love him or hate him they're the foundation for what we're doing now. Like if they didn't do what they did, That's right. we wouldn't be doing this. So as much, whether you can stand them or not, I think 
if you've got the opportunity to go and see any of these sort of guys when they when they present themselves, um, hmm. it, it. it's something that you really owe it to yourself to do. Like, you may still come out of it still hating the guy. That's fine, but <laughs> sit, you know, sit down, listen to what they've got to say, enjoy what they're doing, and um, learn from it. And it's still perfectly fine to say, like, I still can't stand him, you know, but. Oh, I know. He's a nice guy. I'm I'm just using... Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying in general, not specifically why, but just in general, you know, there are a lot of tech guys out there you can't stand. But at the end of the day, you stand back and go, man, look, I can't stand it, but I can't deny what they've done was amazing. Yeah. Now, it was uh, apparently a net worth $100 million. So that's all right. Is that all? I'm actually surprised. Although he probably has sold a lot of his shares and stuff over the years, hasn't he? Oh, I wouldn't have a clue. But yeah, so anyway, uh, Brisbane, Sydney, and it's all, they're all over a weekend by the look of it. The 20. Yeah, 26th of August for Brisbane. And... Oh, no, it's at the convention centre, so that's not too bad. I thought it was at the. Oh, well, it's oh, at the convention centre. I'll so. do convention centre. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I even was, I don't, I was surprised he'd, he'd want to drive out to that tip out at Boondle. <laughs> it's so <laughs> it's bad. A, it's really. a disgrace. And like you get all the way out there and it's in the middle of nowhere. Right, this is the Brisbane Entertainment Centre. It's, it takes you for ages to get there if you come from where I live on the Gold Coast. So you, you drive all the way there. You're out in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing around and they charge you 15, 20 bucks to park. And then... Oh, yeah. And after you've been in line for an hour to park. Yeah. And then <laughs> on your way out, there's one end, one exit and everyone's lined up for two hours trying to get out of the tip. Oh, it's a joke. I refuse okay, to go. Okay, so student, student, this is for Brisbane. Student prices are 59 bucks. Uh, they're located in the green section only, which green section is basically C Reserve. Uh, C Reserve tickets are 79. B Reserves are 109. A Reserves are 139. Premium is 169. Uh, and I'm actually just looking now, and it looks like uh, there's still a couple... All the entire front rows sold out, and most of the second rows sold out. Now, um, if you jump on the web and you and you do look for tickets, now this is a little trap that I I saw there. There's this website. Now you can I don't know if you've heard of this, but to me it looked like a bit of a scam. There's this website called Queen of Tickets that keeps coming up, and the tickets are like for the for the nosebleed, the cheapy stalls. Like you know, you buy them from Ticketek for seventy. These ones are hundred and seventy. So these guys yeah. are just obviously, I don't know if they're buying them or they just buy they're them. They're buying them because I'm just looking on this website here, which is Eventopia, who's, even though Ticketek's promoting it, Eventopia is selling the tickets. Look at that, 199, um, 199. That's a joke. It's, yeah, well, I'm guessing, see, there's a 50 ticket limit per sale. So, and as I said, the whole front row is sold out. So what's the bet? Well, actually, the whole, actually, no, weirdly, the front row is not sold out. The Back two rows are sold out, the $79 ones. Um, <laughs> they're all sold out. So what's the bet? That's what they've bought. They've gone and bought up all the $80 seats and yeah. they're putting 100 bucks on top because when guys like this do it, when like Eventopia and stuff do it, they're not as stringent on the on the after-sales resale like Ticketek and that are. Like if you buy tickets through Ticketek, it's really hard to transfer that to someone else. Yeah, right. I'm just trying to look for the, the layout of the joint, but I can't. Okay, uh, if you go to uh, get tickets, get tickets. Um, that's uh, that's Sydney. see on your right hand side where it's got Margaret Court in Victoria. Change that to Brisbane. Oh, whoops! Well, it doesn't matter anyway. Everybody... And it's in there, but yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Well, there we go. So the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. You want the S eighteen? That'd be good. 
Oh, no, there's the uh, stage. You want the S17? Yeah, I mean, S17 is the, is the way to go. I think the premium one, if you scroll up, see, it says premium, which is 188, which is that blue section, but it doesn't say um, anything about the meet and greet part of it. It just says that's the tickets for the seating. Yeah. So I, I can't see that including the meet. I mean, maybe it does, but I can't see that including the no, meet and greet. No, I don't greet. think so. Oh, then, oh, then you've got all your... Oh, six dollars a transaction. Oh yeah, five payment processing uh, fee. <laughs> yeah, all that rubbish. Yeah, it doesn't say. But anyway, uh, look, if you're interested, go and uh, find out what the meet and greet is yourself. I'm sure you can do it. Okay. Uh, now we did that one. Oh, look, oh, I'm look. I've got one here. You got any more, Will? I've got a couple yeah, more. Yeah, we know how a couple of years ago. Well, this goes back to uh, when Australia couldn't build submarines the first time around, I suppose. And then China decided they were going to have a go. Have a go. Now it's French turn. The French builders have won a $50 billion contract to build Australia's next fleet of submarines, which I'm guessing is probably two like it was last time. Um, <laughs> Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull announced the winning designer of the 12 new subs. Oh, 12, there you go, in Adelaide today. The subs are the most sophisticated naval vessels being built in the world uh, because they're probably currently the only ones building them, I think. They'll be, built, <laughs> they'll be built in Australia with Australian jobs using Australian steel by a French company. So none of the money's going to stay here. Yeah, well, that's the problem, isn't it? Mr. Turnbull said the subs will be built in Adelaide and the contract would generate next to 2,800 jobs. Um, the combat system would be sourced from the United States, so, you know, that's going to be reliable um, because their missiles never misfire or anything. They don't use five and a quarter inch floppies in for their <laughs> missile guidance systems or anything. But what are we going to do with 12 subs? That's my <laughs> question. We don't use the ones we've got just because you can hear them a mile away, like the Collins class. They're great. <laughs> everyone bags them, but everyone stays away because they can hear them coming. <laughs> yes. you, you, put, you put your head under the water. You hear, oh, could you imagine the sonar guy trying to keep track of you? If you go, ah, oh, my ears. <laughs> Here comes the Collins. <laughs> It'll be Australia's biggest and most complex defense procurement, costing as much as $150. $150 billion over the life of the project, which has no determinate, um, you know, like lifespan, apparently. It's just yeah. random. Vessel number one will be launched next year, because apparently they've mostly built it already. It'll be called the Barracuda. Right. Good how, Aussie name. How can, they have, how can they have mostly built it if the contract was only awarded yesterday or the day before? Uh, that, that's convertible. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it'll be slightly... Oh, okay. So the Aussie Barracuda will be slightly smaller than the 47,000-ton nuclear version and only 45... And only... F what? And only 45,000 tons. Yeah, right. uh, and 97 metres. But it'll be much bigger than the 31,000-ton, 77-metre Collins Club that they'll be replacing. Um, the proposing... <laughs> yeah, okay. French are up to date. They're proposing to be powered by lead-acid batteries... <laughs> yeah, good. You know, there's this thing called lithium that, you know, is... But, hey, whatever. What, um, what a word, it's, uh, it's to be pro propulsion from an advanced top-secret jet instead of a conventional propeller. Top-secret? Apparently, it's a top-secret jet. But they know that it's quieter than a propeller, making the sub harder to detect. Excellent. So Excellent. it's top-secret, but they know all about it. Nice. Good. Um, <laughs> apparently, it's the only bidder which builds both conventional and nuclear boats uh, in its bidder point of excessive experience, blah, 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 for the French Navy from Malaysia, India, Chile, and Brazil, all of which have got hugely active um, 
military. Well, let's just, let's just uh, hope that they are going to use them and maybe in uh, missions that we don't know anything about. And uh, yeah, <laughs> well, that's the that's the point of a stealth sub. You're not supposed to know about their missions. No, that's right. Now, <laughs> not a class sub, but some guy with a metal detector. Just <laughs> can a computer fight dementia? Yes. Well, well, yes. New research from US. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have brought it up otherwise, would I? Uh, well, no, I didn't figure that was the, the, the way you were going. Like. <laughs> now, the uh, new uh, research from US suggests that logging onto a computer once a week is enough to fight dementia. In a four-year study of 2,000 people aged over 70, researchers at the Mayo Clinic, Arizona, found that using a PC helps your little brain uh, when it comes to retaining memory and thinking abilities. Yeah, the the regular PC users were forty two percent less likely to develop memory problems uh, that can lead to dementia. Other activities were tested, such as knitting, completing crosswords, and attending social events. They all helped to keep the brain alert, but none were as beneficial as the computer. So there you go. Yeah, well, I mean that makes sense because whether it be um, you know dementia or Alzheimer's or any of those neurological disorders. They're a breakdown of neural paths, but when you're doing something creative and something active, you're recreating or re-bridging those paths. So, I mean, it's not surprising that this is a, a, a positive thing. Um, I, it is kind of surprising it's taken us so long to realise it, though. Well, you know, some probably come from some little some little nerdy boffin out there, you know, that wasn't allowed on his computer as a kid, and he's going, well, I don't want the next generation to be... Uh... No, but I mean, it makes sense because, I mean, effectively, uh, I mean, I had a friend of mine whose father, well, actually, my brother-in-law's father and mother and quite a few people I know, but a particular friend of mine, his father had uh, Alzheimer's Mm. and he started to put him in the nursing home and he went downhill really quickly. So he brought him back home and started caring for him and started... Reintroducing all these things, like basic things, like putting you know wooden pegs into a board, and those you know twelve month old to two year old um, uh, wooden jigsaws, and you know all that sort of stuff. And within twelve to eighteen months, um, he noticed that his father's cognitive abilities had come back to the point, and Dutch. The Dutch in particular are really on the ball with this. They actually have nursing homes over there specifically just for... I think it's Dutch, Denmark. It's over, it's over there, oh, somewhere. there somewhere. Um, they specifically have nursing homes for people with dementia. And what they actually do is they have it set. So they're going off the average age of a dementia patient is going to be like 60 or 70. So they actually have this little village set back 60 years. Hmm. So that hmm. if a patient goes out in the streets, they get dressed up in the way they dress up. They'd go out, they'd pay with the money they're familiar with, they'd buy the products that are on the shelf that they're familiar with. Wow. You know, they come home, they use the TV they're familiar with, the radio they're familiar with, the way they cook is familiar. And they actually find those people go from not being able to get out of bed to completely functioning almost normally within a very short period of time because it's it's all this familiarity that that they're around on a regular basis. And it really, and the other thing they do which really benefits from them is they actually put creches or kindies or daycares, uh, in these facilities, and they they basically invite these people to look after these kids, obviously under supervision, but yeah. they interact so well on such a great level with these children, and it really stimulates their brains, and it really brings them back into 
the the, the world. Like they, they they go from basically sitting in a chair drooling, unable to do anything, mm. which sounds cool, but that's effectively what they do when they go into a nursing home is <laughs> they just like cool. drool. Just... Rule. <laughs> oh, cruel. There's an R in there. <laughs> Dribbling everywhere sounds cool. Wow, yeah, but um, that's basically what happens when they go into a nursing home. Like that, that there's you know three nurses for a hundred patients. Like yeah. there's just no time to go around. So when they set them up like this, these people have a whole new lease on life. And these nursing homes are actually booked out for decades. And the only way that there's a vacancy in these nursing homes because of the way the funding is, literally, it comes down to one of the pe- one of the old people dying. Mm. to open up a vacancy to put somebody else in. Yeah, look, it's uh, no good uh, at the end of end of your time, is it? It's uh, so, some, some things can but go... It's not, but with this sort of research and this mm. sort of mindset and this sort of thing that's happening, Ding. it's becoming, yeah, I don't normally leave my phone on, guys, and we've had comments about this before. The only reason I've got my phone on, not on silent at the moment, is because Sonia's upstairs with the baby and it's the only way she can communicate with me. So don't Will, go crook at me. Will's a, <laughs> Will's a doctor. He's on call. Dr. Will. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, he's checking. But, yeah, so it's, All right. Well, while he it's, checks his message. No, it's fine. So basically, yeah, that's, that's what it comes down to. With the, the combination of technology and the, the mindset of people now going, hey, look, we do need to prep for the future, uh, I think it's only going to be a good thing. Yeah. All right, so uh, look, before we, I don't know, I'm pretty much, that's all I want to speak about. Have you got any more, Will? Uh, a couple of quick ones. All right, well, let's Once just, again. I'll just, I'll just, before we get to them, yep. uh, just uh, on the Twitter, you go to uh, at Aussie Tech News, at Aussie Tech Heads, at Glenn Goodman, at Mr. Tomkinson. I'm pretty sure that's from memory yep. is your Twitter. And uh, if you, you want to grab the, grab our attention, hashtag Aussie Tech Heads, that's, that's uh, good enough. All right, Will, let's finish up with what you've got. So quickly, Australia's made number one in the world again. Good. It's fast uh, internet. It has uh, something to do internet. with the internet. Yes, yes. The fastest. Uh, it also has something to do with downloading. Oh, uh, and it also has something to do with Game of Thrones. Yes. And it so, also has something to do about people hating Foxtel. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so again, this season, Australia has topped the piracy charts for Game of, Th- Game of Thrones. More than one million people pirated the premiere of Game of Thrones season six overnight. Australians are in front of the world queue despite legal avenues to access the TV show at the same time it aired. Australians beat the world's biggest countries to the top for illegally downloading the Red Woman, according to the Torrent Freak, which estimated Australia represented 12.5% of all BitTorrent downloads for the episode. Downloads down under were followed in those of India with 9.7%. And the United States with 8.5, UK with 6.9. Almost half of those who illegally downloaded the show chose high def despite the extra bandwidth required. <laughs> well, <laughs> just to be just to be a stubborn ass about it. If I'm going to download it illegally, I'm going to pirate it. I'm yeah. going to do it in the best possible quality I can. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. You do. You need to. Well, you've got to go down in high quality. Hey, no good going down for standard def. <laughs> despite the Australian downloading fees, Game of Thrones screened on pay TV, and this was the reason it was downloaded. Because it was screened on pay TV, Foxtel, at 11 a.m. the same time it debuted overseas on the Monday. Um, but that's the problem. They put it on Foxtel and most people don't have Foxtel anymore because they can't afford it because they're too busy paying for their internet to pay for downloads. Um, there's, but- an art- there's an article I read through the week. Now, I assume, oh, who knows, it's on the internet, so who knows if it's true or not. I've got no reason to believe it's not. But uh, the Foxtel Play, now, you don't have to subscribe to the full Foxtel. You can subscribe to this Foxtel Just Play, the play. Yeah. which they've made a bit cheaper because of the Game of Thrones thing. But mm. uh, but but the problem seems to be 
that it streams, right? So it's a streaming service, the Foxtel yep. Play, but it streams at 480p or something? Yep, there's it, no HD. And it's still... It's only designed to use on small devices, see? So you don't really, like... The difference between 480 and 1080 on a device, isn't, even on a tablet, even on a 10-inch or 12-inch tab, is, is nothing. Mm. Um, it's not designed to be watched on TV, even though you can. So they deliberately cripple it, effectively. That's why it's cheaper. You're paying for a, a crippled service. Yeah, here's, um, that, here's that story. It was that, uh, I don't know how you pronounce the website, Kotaku, K-O-T-A-K-U.com.au. And it's just a guy that uh, he's tried the, the Game of Thrones. He tried the Foxtel Play. Uh, he's, he tried everything to try and get it, you know, legally pay for it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think Foxtel even gave him a free a free subscription because he, he wrote a, a blog about it and how disappointed he was last year. And so they got the free subscription and he said he still couldn't use it. He said it was just no good. He says, no, it's like just, just rubbish. But one thing I... And I, I kind of get irked with these stories because they're only... Monitoring, and I mean, obviously, they're monitoring our traffic regardless of what we think, but they're only monitoring the torrents in this. I don't know how many people streamed it on Roku or on, um, you know, XBMC or whatever that the chain, what do they call that now? Kodu or Cody. Some, or Cody, some Cody, something like that. Hmm. Because that's how, that's how we watched it. Like, we just streamed it. I mean, so many people now don't download because downloading obviously takes hard drive space, it takes and 99% of the things you're never going to watch again. No, so, not. so many people now stream, especially, you know, well, I mean, as you know, there's there's not only torrents, but there's billboards, there's all sorts of public but you know, forums available. Yeah, like, I was just thinking about this today. Like, I know, like, I know that the, the Foxtel and the Village Roadshow, they're all got, there's, you know, the new laws are in Australia or whatever, where they can start blocking these torrents, you know, from appearing on the sites and or whatever. Um, but anyway, there's something they're, they're trying to do something. There's something in the in the midst, and they're trying to block the actual torrents or something. But when it, when push comes to shove, and I know we've talked about this at ad nauseum before, but you know before the internet, we swapped hard drives, right? So you still you know before that we swapped VCRs. Yeah, and so what what's what, where we're going to get to is okay. So all the torrent sites get thrown out. They're all blocked. Blah blah blah. So you just open up your personal little. I don't know, Dropbox or something, share that yeah. around with your friends. And then, so, you know, I have, I share it in my little Dropbox circle. So Will's part of that. Then he's got another Dropbox circle. You know, they're, not, they're just not going to stop it. They will no. not stop it. So if you look at something like Yammer, for example. Yammer, you can have unlimited users um, and you can have video files up to two gig and unlimited video files up to two gig. So you can just add your own Yammer group with all your mates and upload the videos to there. So all they're doing effectively is slowing down the internet. That's all they're doing because every single IP and every single address that gets typed in and gets resolved has to get filtered. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the day, all they're doing is slowing down what is already a dog slow mm. you know, connection. I hear uh, through the week Quick Flicks has uh, just about gone to God. So that no, was... Uh... surprising, really. I don't know why they did. They went nowhere, didn't they? Um, yeah, yeah it's kind of self-inflicted, though. Yeah, they just weren't good enough. Netflix come in and bashed them all up. Uh, look, there was something else. I just I can't remember. I was going to go on with uh, about the the torrenting and so forth, but it's gone out of my brain. Probably well, I was just thinking as well. about that just quickly. Uh, two Swiss pilots have just taken turns to fly a solar-powered pl- solar-powered plane around the world. Um, I hope they got a battery. 
they um, his last name his name's uh, Bertrand pilot Bertrand Picard ironically completed a risky three-day flight across the great expanse of the Pacific Ocean while sleeping for only 20 minutes at a time inside the plane's tiny cockpit with no heat or air conditioning and while having to keep constant contact with the Europe-based control centre. Uh, you've got interviews, navigation control, communications with the control centre in, Mon in um, Monaco, uh, Monaco. You have uh, health checks, a lot of health checks. It's very active. There's lots of things to do. Um... But basically, they the Solar Impulse Two, which is their new uh, the new version. They tried this a couple of years ago. I don't think they successfully did it in one stop. But the Solar Impulse Two, uh, following a 62-hour non-stop solo flight from Hawaii without a single drop of fuel. Um, basically, I don't know if this story. I was reading. Um, an article that had all the specs of the plane. It was quite interesting to read about, actually. I don't know if this one... Um, the plane's, long, ide the plane's ideal flight speed, which is strange, is 45 kilometers an hour, which is actually quite slow. Uh, but it'll double that during the day when it's when it's actually... when the sun's rays are strongest. The carbon fiber aircraft weighs uh, 2,200 kilos. Um, the plane's wings are wider than a Boeing 747. And they're equipped with 17,000 solar cells to power the propellers and charge the batteries. The plane runs on the stored energy of a night. Um, so, I mean, it's just it's a really good starting point to prove that uh, this sort of thing is possible. It's a, it is a second attempt at it. But, yeah, it's quite an amazing um, thing to do if you think that the ability to keep a plane up in the air, like, yeah, it's traditionally requires you know, absolutely stupid amounts of... Uh, Stupid amounts of stuff. Well, not only fuel, but mm. noise, and then all this other stuff that goes with it as well. Plus, you know, ten thousand people to service the stupid thing. Um, now, whereas this one, literally, because it literally has four moving components, which are the four motors that drive the four propellers. There's there's basically no maintenance on it. Check the battery banks once in a blue moon, and you know, make yeah. sure there's no birds in the motors. That's about all you got to worry about doing. So the maintenance is a lot lower. The build cost is a lot lower. Well, it would be a lot lower, uh, you know, once it became more than just a prototype. Um, and, okay, it's not necessarily practical, only holding one person a bit of luggage, but there's nothing to say that, you know, that can't be increased later on. But I just find it fascinating that something like that, you know, given that whatever it was 100 years ago or thereabouts, you know, someone it took them 80 days to travel around the world in a hot air balloon. Well, that's right. um, when was when were the Wright brothers? They were oh, just over well, 100? Yeah, 110 years ago or something yeah. like that. And they flew, what, six foot? Yes. <laughs> <All right. laughs> you yeah. know, so... And even when transatlantic flights became a thing, even with commercial aeroplanes, it was still a... I can't remember what it was, 36-hour flight or something to fly around the world. Mm. Um, you know, and admittedly, it still, it still took him... Uh, what did I say? 36 hours, was it? Something, something like that yeah. to do, but... The thing is, one guy did it by himself with, I mean, he had, obviously had help from control town and stuff, but effectively, one guy did it by himself, flew around the world in a plane on solar power. Like, it, when you think about it, it's, it's pretty amazing. 62 yeah. hours, so. That's, yeah, not bad. That's all right. Good to start. Good start. Three days. Somewhere to start. Three now, days to go around the world. I can handle that. Now, look, I've, I've, just, been, I've just been told we've got to say hello to listeners in Hemel Hempstead. <laughs> in, in England, how is going? 
quite a few of you over there. All Apparently right. about a quarter of the population, it seems. <laughs> you know who you are. Give us a, send us an email if you're in Hemel Hempstead in the UK. I'd like to know what Hemel Hempstead is like and uh, what goes on over there. You've got a few listeners. All right. Okay. One more quick story. It's only a quick 30-second story. We all know Tesla. I mean, I love the thing. Great, you know. 30,000 battery cells, fantastic. Oh, I just love the Tesla, but, uh, and this was going to happen, it was always a matter of time, a Chinese tech giant has unveiled a new electric car that hopes it will rival the Tesla S. The announcement was part of the Greece conference, uh, the press conference in Beijing, uh, in which Leco, <laughs> the name of the company is Leco, and they make electric cars, go figure, uh, addressed the recent name change and new range of products, uh, extending its already diverse marketing of smartphones, TVs, set-top boxes, and smart TVs, Leco took the jump into electric cars because that seems like the nat's natural pro- natural progression. Uh, has a top speed of 210 kilometers an hour. Um, doesn't say anything about range, which doesn't surprise me because they're just getting started. But not that Leco. Hey, not that Leco. No, <laughs> or nor, nor is it Lego. Uh, it's it's spelt uh, L capital L small e capital E C O. So it'll be Lee Eco. More or less, I guess. Um, the Eco. Because they were LETV. LETV. Uh, so, yeah. So, it'd be interesting. I mean, it's just good to see. Um, I don't necessarily think this particular model is going to be that much of a competition to them. But uh, it's good to see that there is that sort of... Um, which is what... Um, oh, what's his name? Elton. Is it Elton? Oh, I can never remember his name. The guy who owns Tesla. Elon Musk. Something like that. Yeah. Um, he has always said that the reason he's doing it is to inspire competition. So there we go. Now that he's uh, devised a bus for London, I think, for the UK as well, he's devised electric buses for those. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. So yeah, it's, nice. he's going off. So. I, I was going to try and look for something just as a special treat for those on the video, but I can't find it. Uh, you can probably search for it if you're interested. It was <coughs> nothing important. It was just a, um, someone... So not the first person, but someone strapped a, a little camera onto the top of a little Lego train as it as it smooched around the uh, around the track. It was quite interesting, I thought. All right, uh, enough of that. All right, we're we're done. Will we done? Done enough. All right, good stuff. So uh, yeah, that's it. I've given you all the goss about uh, where to find us and where to get us, and you know where where to find us because you've already found us, haven't you? So iTunes and uh, Facebook, YouTube, whatever whatever it takes. Just make sure you jump on board and and listen. Give the Aussie Tech Radio a go. Tune in Radio app. Uh, you can search for Aussie Tech Radio. I think you can even search for Aussie Tech. I think we're on there as well. All right, so good stuff. That's the end of episode 485. Thanks, Will, for coming in. We shall see you again soon, hopefully. No worries, mate. Hopefully it can be a little bit more regular. Yes, well, let's let's hope so. Let's get the as the baby grows up. I'm sure you'll be you'll get into a more of a routine. And hopefully, in the next six months or so, he'll be hosting. Well, that's right. Hopefully, in the next sometime <laughs> in the next sixteen years, you'll be right. Yeah, he's he's six months old. Started this week. That goes fast, doesn't it? Goes really. <laughs> Is he crawling yet? He's uh, figured out how to roll, so he rolls onto his stomach, and he does the the push ups. Yep. And he does the rocking backwards and forwards. Yeah, it won't be fun. So he's not far away. Oh, yeah. And his, his favourite expression is, um, is uh, bub, 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 dad, dad, dad. Oh, nice. <laughs> You're going to have to keep him out of that room there, Will. There's lots of little things for him to play with. Ah, builds character. <laughs> Until he starts sticking fingers in CPUs, well, you know, in your production machine. Yeah, but you can't do it ten times. 
Well, yeah, that's fair enough. That's good. <laughs> All right. Well, You'll learn at some point in that in that progression. Well, we'll see you soon, <laughs> and uh, thanks for listening. And we will hopefully you will hear us soon as well once again. All right. So from me and Will, it's a good night. Bye bye. See you guys. Bye.